You are now listening to Kenny Soto's Digital Marketing Podcast, your source for marketing strategies, tactics, and career advice from the best in digital marketing all around the world. From B2B to B2C, startups to Fortune 500 companies, and everything in between, I interview experts in marketing so that we can grow to become better marketers together. If you're a marketer who wants a leg up in this space, well then, you're in the right place. Thanks for tuning in. On episode 44, I interview Shanna Bull. Shanna is a best-selling children's book author, freelance writer, and digital marketing educator based in the Bay Area. She is passionate about low-alcohol wines, elaborate cheese boards, and traveling on food adventures with her husband and red-headed son, the co-author of her children's book, Randall the Blue Spider Goes Surfing. On this episode, we talk about social media, storytelling, and the importance of building relationships. I hope you enjoy this interview just as much as I did. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kenny Soto's Digital Marketing Podcast. My guest today is Shanna Bull. Shanna like banana. Hi, Shanna. How are you today? I am doing pretty good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So before recording, I gave you a little backstory about the podcast, and I like to ask this question to all of my guests just so that the audience can know more about your backstory and we can get more context on your career. So my first question for you is, how did you get into marketing? You know what? That is a great question. Um, so I have always been that weird kid that liked commercials. <laughs> So when I was a kid uh, growing up in the 80s, I loved cereal commercials, the Tony the Tiger, the Tricks the Rabbit, um, the Snap, Crackle and Pop, all of those. I just absolutely loved them. And I wanted to create characters um, for cereal when I grew up. I didn't know what that was called. Turns out it was called advertising, but I knew that's what I wanted to do. So after high school, um, I made almost every job I had into a marketing job. So I worked for Starbucks for four and a half years, and I was in charge of um, doing the retail shelves and helping with um, local charities that we worked with, stuff like that. So even though my day-to-day job was literally making coffee, um, I made it into kind of a marketing um, uh, job that I was learning also in college when I was living in San Diego. So I would take the skills that I would learn from my PR or marketing jobs back in the day before social media was even a thing. Um, so I would take those um, skills and I would um, put them into my day-to-day life uh, working in Starbucks. I also um, worked as a um, one of those people that asked if you want to take a survey in the mall I don't know Mm. if they have those anymore, but literally I was one of those people that said, do you want to take a survey? And people would run away from me. (laughs) I quickly um, realized that was not for me, but I was a supervisor in charge of the people that said that. So market research was always fun. So I literally created um, my marketing job kind of just, I picked and choose what I wanted to do with my life. From an early age. Now, I've done some research myself on your career. And based on what I've seen, I would consider you as an avid writer. 
So my next question is, what is your writing process like and how does it change based on the projects you're working on? I love that. Um, so I have been a writer and a storyteller my entire life. I wanted to um, be a teacher for a little while also. I mean, I did love marketing, but I went into kind of a uh, wanting to be an English teacher for a little while during college. And I've always written in journals. And um, back in 2008, I had a blog on WordPress um, because that was just kind of what um, people did. And I worked at a marketing agency and they wanted me to kind of get to know this new technology of blogging. And so I started a blog where I wrote about things that were going on in my life. And I think that was very important to me to talk about things that I cared about. And I lived in wine country um, about an hour north of San Francisco. And so things that I wrote about happened to be wine related because those were the events that I was going to. Uh, just because that's where I lived. I didn't really love wine at the time. I loved the experience. And that's what I wrote about. And then I became a wine blogger. And I was one of the only ones that was writing about the experience of wine versus the, the tannins and the taste and the smell and all of that, that stuff that a lot of people were writing about back in the, uh, back in the day. And so what I love about writing and how my process changes based on what I'm writing about is whatever I'm interested in, I write about. And I, um, I'm a freelance writer, so I pitch to different um, publications, whatever is really I'm really excited about. And most of the time that involves food or experiences here locally in the Bay Area. I also um, ended up writing a children's book that I co-wrote with my son. And I took that from our experience hanging out in Long Beach and we we just kind of wrote a fun story together. So my process really is writing about things that I care about. And it it comes across when when you're really passionate about something, it it can be seen in the work that you do, whether you're sharing that content on social media or a blog or video, just day-to-day life. It, it's really obvious when you're passionate about something. I want to dive deeper into the story of Randall the Blue Spider Goes Surfing. So can you tell the audience how that idea even came to be? So I've been a marketer my whole life, and um, I always wanted to be an author, just like I wanted to be a teacher. I like had that in the back of my mind, um, but I never really pursued it. And a few years ago, I was with my two-year-old at the time, and we were at the beach in Long Beach, and he saw surfers, and he was asking questions. He was a curious little two-year-old, like, he he was already talking and like it just rambling on about whatever came into his head. He's also a <laughs> storyteller. And so I actually recorded what he was saying and I was asking him questions and we ended up writing this really, I thought, cute <laughs> children's book. And I literally sat on it. It was in my um, notes app on my phone for three years and then last summer when the pandemic hit, I ended up getting, finding out I had uh, cancer. 
And I was bedridden for about a month and a half after radiation and oral chemotherapy. And I literally couldn't work at all. I had such brain fog from the chemo pills that I wasn't able to work at all. I wasn't able to write for any publications. I wasn't able to do classes that I was normally doing. Nothing except lay in bed and watch TV and take lots of naps. But I was able to um, connect with a publisher who um, does a hybrid model of publishing. So instead of having a publisher and they pay you a fee up front and then they they get all the money for the books, this is a way that I'm able to get royalties from the book forever. And it's kind of self-publishing with help. And so I talked to her and we published and found, or we found a illustrator and we published the book. So now I get to say I'm a best-selling children's book author with, with my son, who's now five years old. And it's just been such a fun process. That is both a powerful and encouraging story. I'm glad that you told it. And I will say at the end of the day, um, I found out that my tumor was gone a week before the book came out. Wow. It's also a happy story. It literally, the book wouldn't have come out if it wasn't for my cancer, which obviously I don't want to have cancer. Mm -hmm. That sucked. (laughs) Um, I can say that with a laugh now, but um, I wouldn't have taken a step back from my day-to-day job if it wasn't for being forced to step back. What were some of the challenges in marketing the book? So I am a marketer who has marketed and helped other brands tell their story. So when it came to telling my own story, it was a whole different ballgame. Like I forgot everything I've learned. I swear I needed um, help, like just tell, like reminding myself to post on social media. But then when, once I actually created a game plan, it, it made everything a little bit easier. But for a while, I was just kind of doing everything on the fly, which is literally the thing that I tell my clients not to do. And so I was sitting there going, oh, I, I need to post something on social media today. Um, let me think about this. And then just throwing something up there without any real thought behind it. And then once I took a step back, I went, okay what would you tell your clients? You would tell them to write everything and plan ahead and create content a month ahead of time. Okay, I can do that. (laughs) I know that that's the way that social media works. If you're doing it for marketing, you have to have a game plan and a call to action. and, And that's the only way that it really does work. Otherwise, it's just putting crap up there and hoping it sticks. And so that was one of the biggest problems that I had with the kind of difference between telling other people's story and then telling my own. But what I did love about telling my own story is that I knew it like from the back of my hand. I can can tell the story of how Randall the Blue Spider goes surfing, got started over and over again. And that's what I tell my clients, like, you know your story. So you have to find new ways of telling it over and over again. Even if it feels redundant to you, your customers, especially new customers, haven't heard it yet. 
So tell that story through video, through pictures, through podcasts like this. And so, yeah, I was able to do that. And I've been able to tell my story about cancer, you know, talking about my adorable little two-year-old who co-wrote the book by just rambling about being nervous and how he would be so nervous if people were watching him go surfing. And um, so it's been fun telling this story over and over again. More on the topic of having to relearn, what's the best way for marketers to continue their education in 2021? Honestly, one of the best ways is finding a mentor. Um, Even if that person doesn't realize that they are a mentor, having someone to look up to via podcasts or articles, or even now I'm getting a lot of inspiration from Instagram Reels from people that I I watch and I follow. So we know that digital marketing is an ongoing, ever-changing landscape of tools. And there's always something new to learn. I've been in social media marketing for 12 years. So when I first started out, it was literally, I was teaching classes on how to connect with people on Twitter and Facebook. There were no images, there were no videos, there were no brand pages, no Instagram or TikTok or Clubhouse. It was literally just, this is how you find people and connect with them. And it was about relationships. And then everything else kind of came into play. But at the end of the day, I still talk to people about creating relationships that's how you learn. And that's how you get ahead, to be honest. It's sometimes not what you know, it's who you know. It is also important to know things, obviously. Don't, do not get me wrong. But for me, how I've been able to sell the book and become a best-selling author within two days on Amazon. I was a best-selling new, um, new release author because of the connections that I've made and kept throughout the last 12 years. The answer to this next question (laughs) may just be Instagram reels, but it could be Uh something else. What are some social media trends that you're seeing this year that aren't being discussed enough? I mean, Instagram reels is being discussed at length, I think right now, because Instagram has said, we are no longer just a image sharing platform. Instagram wants to compete with TikTok. Instagram wants to compete with YouTube. And so they are really focused on Instagram Reels, Instagram Live, messages, and then Instagram TV. So those are the four areas that literally the head of Instagram told people to concentrate on. And so right now, at least in my world, a lot of people are talking about that. And so one of the things I'm trying to do with my customers and my community is encourage them to show their face and be present within Instagram or TikTok or wherever they want to be, really, because it's it's not where I think they should be. It's where their customers are. So if their customers are on TikTok, go to TikTok show your face, do videos. You don't have to necessarily dance. No one's no one's saying um, go do that, but show off your products and services and have fun. 
no one's talking about how brands should be having more fun on social media. That's what I think. I would definitely add to that personally. I've been doing some Instagram reels for my startup. And at first I was a little hesitant and nervous myself. Doing the first video was such a project. I didn't know it was going to take me an hour just to complete it. But now I'm up to at least 11 videos. And at this point, I would say the easiest way to start is just go on Instagram reels, look at what other people are sharing. And the moment you laugh or giggle, just copy that sound and put the in-video copy, if you will, into whatever your business is doing. So for example, I'm in fintech. So the Instagram reels that I look for are funny and I just change the copy. So it's related to personal finance. So that's just some little tidbit that I would like to share there as well. My next question. Yeah. That, I mean, no, that, that really, that's it. You know, Mm -hmm. so many people right now I'm finding are so afraid because they, they compare themselves to other people and you can take inspiration from what other people are doing. And especially with um, Instagram reels or TikTok, you can see what the music or the, the original sound, and you can go look at every, what everybody else is doing and you can specialize it and think about how it could make sense for your brand. You can change a few things. Exactly. Um, like, yeah. What are some common mistakes that you've seen your clients and students make when trying to grow their own Instagram accounts specifically before they seek your guidance and take your lessons? They aren't even sure where to start. To mm-hmm. be honest, a lot of people are so overwhelmed because they think they have to do it all. My advice is always to start off slow and pick where your customers are. Most of my most of my personal clients are alcohol or food brands. And so Instagram is really it. TikTok is a little too young for a lot of alcohol brands. So Instagram is where they should be and they, they should be focusing their time. And so I tell them, you know, get to know your audience on one platform before you go out to other platforms. You don't have to be on Clubhouse or TikTok or even Twitter, especially if you are a local brand that only caters to your, you know, region. You don't need to be on Twitter if that, if you only talk to people that are within 25 miles from your brick and mortar store. So I always recommend showing your face. That is one thing that a lot of people are hesitant about doing. And when you pick which brands to work with, whether they are B2C or B2B, you're picking based on relationships. So being able to show your face or show the people behind the brand that helps create that relationship with the customer. And I think that is so important that a lot of people don't even even think about. Shanna, what would you say are two or three hard or soft skills that you've had to leverage throughout your entire career up to today? Uh, Soft skills are... I hate that name because they sound almost inferior, but soft skills are relationship building. It is empathy. It is how to connect with other people and kind of understand where they come from. 
And in marketing, that is the most important. You have to understand that if you own a business, most likely you are not the target audience. You have to get to know who those people are and understand their pain points and what they want, where they live, all of that. And the connections, relationships and engagement are so much more important than a pretty picture on social media. Or any number of KPIs that you're trying to target. <laughs> exactly. And when we come, when we talk about hard skills, to be honest, the the role of a digital marketer is there's so much involved. We are being asked to be graphic designers, video people, uh, customer service, data analysts, all of the above. It is wild how much, how many different um, avenues digital marketers have to um, look at. So find what you're really good at and what you love doing. Sometimes those are the same. Sometimes they are different, but focus on that and kind of build your niche within that. And I think that's what I've done throughout my career. I have built my niche within hospitality, wine, food, and small businesses. And I don't necessarily talk to a lot of other brands because that's what I love. And that's, that's, I really specialized in that because I got to know those brands and what their pain points are. And so that's, that's where I kind of have focused my skills. Before I ask my last question, I think it's very timely that you mentioned that only because I just finished rereading a blog post by Scott Adams, who is the cartoonist for the famous and old, somewhat old comic called Dilbert, where mm -hmm. he talks about the career stack or the skill stack. I don't recall it correctly, so I'll put it in the show notes for everyone who's listening right now. And he essentially says that you don't need to be the top 1% in one specific skill. And specifically with digital marketers, you can be the top... 10 or 15% in a combination of two to three skills. And that will also help you stand out even more so than if you were just in the top 1% of one skill. So you don't necessarily need to pigeonhole yourself, find what you're good at, as Shanna just mentioned, and see what you love and see how you can make at least a list of three skills that you can leverage. Now, with that being said, my last question for you, Shanna, is hypothetical. If you could go back 10 years using a time machine with the knowledge you have right now, how would you get to where you are today even faster? Ooh, I like that question because where I am today is based on the relationships that I made 10 years ago. And so I would I would focus even more on relationship building, going to events, keeping up with people on social media and being kind of strategic about who I was connecting with. But also I would outsource some of my business way sooner. So when I um, became a writer, I was doing it all. I was um, pitching publications. I was researching. I was writing the article. I was editing and then I was finding images. And that took up a lot of time. And in fact, I hated the editing part. I can write all day long. I love writing. That is one of my passions. But then going back and editing my work, I hated that. And that actually took me away from wanting to do it more. 
And so about five years ago, when my son was born, I hired an editor to help me with basically anything that I write. So email marketing, blog posts, my book. I mean, she helped even edit the 17 page um, little children's book and then other stuff that I was doing. And that, that kind of took part of my um, like mental energy away from the part of my business that I hated. And so I was able to focus on the part that I loved. And then I was able to grow my business even more. So being able to outsource isn't, isn't as scary as you think it is. I found her on Upwork and she, she was able to take the part of my business that I hate and just, she can do it way quicker than I can too. So I would have looked at outsourcing some of the things that I hate the most and that take up the most of my time. So that would be my suggestion to people. Relationships and outsourcing. Wonderful. Absolutely. Those, I mean, those are what my company has been built on. (laughs) Shanna, if anyone wanted to find and connect with you online, where could they find you? I'm pretty easy to find. Um, ShannaBull.com. S-H-A-N-A-B-U-L-L.com. And then um, on Twitter and Instagram, I'm known as Sheree Ray, which is my, in a previous life, I was Shanna Ray before I got married. And um, I got on Twitter back in 2007 as Sheree Ray, because I thought Twitter was stupid. And that was an inside joke at my old marketing agency. I literally just could have had the the handle Shanna, but I didn't. And so Sheree Ray is where I'm known online. So you can just find me pretty easily by Googling Shanna Bull or Sheree Ray. Thank you so much for your time today, Shanna. And thank you to you, the listener, for listening to another episode of Kenny Soto's Digital Marketing Podcast. And as always, I hope you have a great week. Bye. Thanks again for listening to this podcast. Please share it, subscribe, and if you have any questions or comments, connect with me at www.kennysoto.com. I look forward to hearing from you soon.